Welcome back to the Mildew Twang Outdoors podcast, where we chronicle our time spent in the Delta, the swamps, the Piney Woods, and beyond. Here, we share our experiences and stories, ranging from simple country living to lesser-known stories about American culture and what all of this means for us as Christians in today's world. In this two-part series, we are going to take you on a journey to the high plains of Wyoming. Our story will highlight the details of our first trip out west. We will discuss the process of remote scouting, driving cross-country, putting boots on the ground, and tagging out on pronghorn antelope. I hope you've been watching your westerns because it's time to saddle up. It has been ingrained in our souls from an early age that the open skies and the vast prairies of the Old West are where boys become men. In these wide expanses, we picture tiny cow towns consisting of a single main road lined with saloons, blacksmith shops, general stores, and a large vaulted bank. We picture horses tied to a hitching post as folks go about their daily business. A staple in these dreams of ours is that they are men who are legendary in status. These men are cowboys and they exist for one purpose alone, to serve and protect the townsfolk while upholding just and upright morals. They highlight and uphold true chivalry. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, and Sam Elliott are all idols that I have looked up to on the western frontier. Their quick-draw skills, their bravery in the face of danger, and their willingness to go above and beyond for the people they are fighting for draws us in. It doesn't matter which movie you choose, you will see a representation of the disappearing art of manhood as they accomplish larger-than-life tasks. My favorite cowboy movie of all time is Tombstone. As you very well may remember, Wyatt Earp is a retired lawman who is called back to action for one purpose. His role is to assist the town and take down the cowboy gang overrunning the place. The Earp brothers, along with Doc Holliday, face off the cowboys at the OK Corral. Ultimately, this film depicts the ruthless ways of the Wild West and the challenges that we romanticize about facing ourselves today. If I had my way, I would be right there alongside those Western heroes, riding shotgun on a stagecoach, 12-gauge black powder double barrel in hand, running wild down the trails of the Pony Express. I finally got the opportunity to play the part in 2017 when I helped organize a pronghorn antelope hunt with some close friends. But before we dive into our stories, I would like to introduce you to my dad, Tim Caldwell. He is the sole reason that I am the man that I am today. He is a strong Christian leader, a tireless worker, and the greatest father who has ever lived. I am proud to introduce you to Tim Caldwell. Thanks, Jace. Glad glad to be here with you tonight. And uh you know, it's, it's, uh, I really enjoy your podcast. Hey, I appreciate it. We've been through most of this stuff together, so it's good to share this with you. Reminiscing on all of the stuff that we've done, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born in Washington, D.C., but I only lived there for a few months before Mom and Dad carried me back to uh, Mississippi. Uh, I was in Memphis until the fourth grade, just north of Mississippi, and then was really raised in Vicksburg, where I hunted and fished in the Delta. You know, I, I, I used to hunt and fish in the Mississippi Delta all the time, ducks, deer, you name it. Then, uh, you know, married your mom and moved off to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and then St. Louis, Missouri. And then when I guess you were, uh, I don't know, fourth, fifth grade, we moved down here to Mobile. Yes, sir. 
We sure did, and we've been down here ever since. Let's kick it into our first story and see what happens. It was mid-morning when we finished packing the truck. The bed was loaded down with clothes, guns, coolers, food, and anything else we thought we might need for a five-day trip out to Wyoming. We were planning to hunt pronghorn antelope, and Dad and I had both drawn buck tags for the areas in and around a town called Lusk. We would be driving 24 hours straight through in a caravan consisting of two vehicles and six people, with a few more men meeting us out there. I had my dad and a Mr. Blaine C. in my truck. Driving from Mobile, Alabama to Lusk, Wyoming meant that we would be passing through many notable towns featured in various country songs. Depending on your route to and from Wyoming from Mobile, these towns might include Baton Rouge, Amarillo, Jackson, Texarkana, Kansas City, Omaha, Lincoln, and more. I challenge you to name the songs highlighting each one of these places. Mr. Blaine C. is a country music junkie, and he was like a kid in a candy store, playing each of these songs respectively as we passed through each town on the way to and from Lusk. My personal favorite moment was the drive through Amarillo with George Strait blasting on the radio. Amarillo by morning, up from San Antonio. Aside from passing through these towns and seeing my first ever Bucky's gas station, shout out to Dallas-Fort Worth there, our drive was rather uneventful. About 20 hours into the drive, as we entered the Denver city limits, our vehicle began to cause some trouble. The brakes began to whine and it was clear that our rear brake shoes were about shot. We coasted into Lusk mid-afternoon on a Sunday when all of the local stores were closed. Knowing that our hunt was dependent on a functioning vehicle, we went about scrounging up the needed parts for a roadside repair job. A local Lusk resident was working down the road, and he was kind enough to offer up some C-clamps, and the AutoZone store down the road happened to have one set of brake pads in stock for that old F-150. Dad and I got those pads replaced before passing out on the twin beds in the Rawhide Motel. Later that night, we had dinner with all of our buddies in the local pub, where we indulged in eating two third-pound grade-A American hamburgers and Rocky Mountain oysters just for kicks and grins. The burgers were incredible, but the oysters, it turns out they aren't the kind we have down in Mobile. Let's see, uh, this particular episode, we started by talking about the Wild West, we have our great heroes, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, Sam Elliott, and more. And we told the story of our driving out to Wyoming. Do you remember exactly how we came about planning the trip and the issues that we faced and actually getting everything situated to go out to Wyoming? Well, kind of, sort of, yeah. I mean, Cade, Cade uh, one of our friends, had gone out to Wyoming with a Baptist student union out of LSU uh, for a couple right. of years. And, um, you know, he had graduated and came back home. And, you know, he mentioned it to us and we talked it up. And next thing you know, we got a bunch of guys, a bunch of Christian guys, luckily, um, ready to go out there and bust some antelope. Yeah, most of them, I think, were from church. We had a couple guys from Pensacola area of Florida, but I think everybody else came from our church. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I know the, the biggest thing right off the bat was getting a truck and, I don't think we rented a truck the first year we went out there, did we? We took your old Ford. We yeah, we took uh, yeah my 2016 Ford F-150 crew cab. When we were driving out there, uh, you mentioned we had a system in place. We had one driver, we had somebody in the passenger seat, and then somebody in the back who was able to sleep. Is that correct? Yeah, we we drove like uh, I think six hours at a time. Well, with four of us, we took six hours at a time. 
uh, that was the second year, but the first year there were only three of us. So, uh, you know, each one of us drove eight hours over the 24 hour period. It was a bit of a mess. I, I don't think I've ever driven more than 12 hours at a time before. So that was a bit of an eye-opening deal. I know I sure enough drank more coffee than I needed to. And I tried those silly energy drinks, the, what are they called? Red Bulls and then the, the amps and all of that stuff. It didn't really do much to keep me awake. It just made my heart race pretty fast. But let's see. So the drive went pretty well. I don't remember anything specific except for the fact that our brakes went out just around Denver. Yeah, yeah, we noticed them grinding pretty bad. Yeah, and when we got to Lusk, I know in the story we, we mentioned it, but we were able to locate some C-clamps. There was a really nice local that I don't think he was working that day. I don't remember the deal. Do you? Yeah, he... Uh... He was two or three blocks south of the hotel we were in, and uh, he had a he had like a contractor's trailer uh, hooked to his truck, and the back door was open. He was actually working on something. So uh, anyway, I, you know, we found him and asked him if uh, we could borrow some sea clamps. And he gave them to us freely. Everybody in the town of Lusk was just as nice as they can be. Yeah, I think I think they appreciate outdoorsmen hunters coming into uh, their city every year because it, it it's a uh, benefit to their economy yeah i believe you're right on that one i know everybody we spoke to was just as cordial and friendly as they could be it was kind of nice let's see let's jump over to scouting so before we made the drive out there we had to scout and i had never tried to scout something remote before uh, you kind of took the lead on that as far as getting maps and all of that stuff. So how did you go about getting those maps? What were they and how did that take place in the first place? Well, I, I ordered maps. Well, first off, you know, we, we knew which zones we were hunting in. So, uh, you know, you, anybody can look up the hunting zones on the website. So anyway, looked up the hunting zones and then cross-referenced those zones that we had with BLM maps. And then uh, just made a phone call ordered the BLM maps. I think then they were like four bucks a piece, which is pretty cheap. And I think the zone we had uh, covered, I think two or three of those BLM maps covered the zones we had. So anyway, got the maps in, cross-referenced the zones on the maps, uh, you know, highlighted the the uh, public properties on those maps. Uh, from there, you, you know, we we didn't realize how dry it was going to be when we got out there, but common sense would tell you that the animals need need water. So you know we looked for food sources and water sources on those maps uh, on public land and tried to narrow our search down from there. Um, you know it's it's kind of like a dog. Whenever you whenever all, all of us have dogs, not hunting dogs, but a uh, house dog. And when you let a house dog out in the yard. Regardless of how big the yard is, he's going to search until he finds the right spot to take a leak. And, uh, you know, these maps were kind of like that dog. I mean, we were, we're, we're sniffing around trying to figure out where what these game animals are looking for. And uh, we're trying to pinpoint those areas, and that's where we go. Yeah, I know. I, I used Onyx a bit, but I did the same thing. Uh, pretty much looked at food sources, which I honestly didn't know what that was. Come to find out, as you'll hear later on uh, out there, antelope apparently eat cactuses, or cac I guess cacti is the right word, but they eat those things, and when you go to clean this animal, it's not a fun experience if you're not expecting it. 
But I used Onyx. I tried to look at water sources, which every water source I marked on my maps was dry when we got out there. Uh, like you said, it was pretty frustrating. And then the food sources basically were just open prairie grounds anywhere. And it's not hard to find open prairie because you can look and see 10 miles in any given direction. It's, it's strange. But I know we, we scouted out a handful of places and we ultimately settled on one place that I guess it was the area that, how would you say it? It performed for us. It was able to pay off. But the first four areas we scouted and looked at uh, really didn't turn out that great. We found antelope, but they either weren't accessible or they there was no way to stalk up to them. Right. But, you know, I, I, I've got a tutor more here just a minute, too. You know, we, we got there the first day, had to, had to replace the brakes on the truck and try to recover from a 27-hour drive. Uh, the second day we spent scouting, just like you were talking about, we struck out on the first three or four places. Um, but, um, yeah, I can remember talking to your mom that night, telling her, hey, we did some scouting tonight. We're going to go kill one in the morning. And uh, that third day, you know, you killed yours, well, I don't know, 645. And it was right after shooting light. And then a few hours later, I busted mine. So we, we did strike out, but... Uh, you know, driving those hundreds of miles the day before doing that scouting and, and hiking up and down those hills and, and uh, you know, it, it really paid off. It sure did. It was a pretty pretty good deal. I figured we would kill our antelope, but I didn't expect to kill them that fast. But, yeah, you, you're right. All of the work we put in paid off. It was It was pretty great. We woke up at 5.15 on the third day of our trip with the intent of heading to a plot of BLM land close to the Thunder Basin National Grasslands. We headed up Highway 85 a bit and pulled off the road a half mile from our destination. As is typical, we hopped out of the truck, put on our outer layers, and began to walk out towards the distant hillside. With a faint gleam of sunshine sprouting over the horizon, we had just enough light to navigate around a section of barbed wire before setting off towards our initial glassing point. Nothing could have prepared us for what we would see next. No, it wasn't an animal. It wasn't a flying saucer. It wasn't even the long-lost southern skunk ape finding a new home out west. It was the dried and cracked earth, cratered like the surface of the moon. As I placed one foot in front of the other, avoiding the cracks in the soil, I noticed that even in the low-lying areas there was no moisture. The cracks were as wide as an inch in some areas, and the air seemed to have turned into a massive dehydrator. Instantly, my lips cracked and my eyes dried out. Having lived in the southern U.S. for the majority of my life, I was not familiar with dry air and the lack of humidity. I'm used to having to swim through the atmosphere in a swirling moisture. Not only was the air dry, but the earth was dry and the plants were all but dead. Making our way up what we believed to be a small hill, we walked for an hour straight before realizing that this supposed small hill was a 250-foot tall rise jutting up from the barren plains. Another perk of living in the southern swamplands is that our line of sight is never more than a few hundred yards across an ag field. Out in Wyoming, with no trees, our senses were askew. Cresting the hill, we set up with a spotting scope and binoculars to glass for antelope. Lo and behold, we sat for hours and saw no sign of them. We were severely disheartened by the fact that we could see ten miles in any direction and there was not a single orange and white blob on the horizon. Or was there? Look! Down below! There's a mule deer in the ravine. We didn't have a mule deer tag, but what a welcome sight. 
life can flourish in this desolate landscape. For fun, I pulled my rangefinder out to test the distance. In my mind's eye, I could see that deer ranging from 350 to 400 yards. When it was measured, that deer was closer to 700 yards. Man, oh man, what those open spaces do to your head. We got back to the truck around 10 a.m. with the intent on driving around and scouting additional areas we had marked on our BLM maps. These maps were purchased from the Bureau of Land Management and a link to their website will be available in the show description. Once we get our scouting done, that first day, I guess our first full day there, we woke up early and we ended up going to an area that we had marked that was close to the Thunder Basin National Grassland. Uh, what do you remember about that particular area on, from your side? Well, you know, I, I think both of us were really excited to get there. And, uh, you know, sunup sun came a little earlier than we had anticipated. So, you know, by the time we got there, I mean, you can see pretty good. We got out of the truck, crossed the fence, started hiking, and it's like, good gracious alive, where the heck are we? And, uh, it was a dark, not not dark, but it was a desolate piece of land. I mean, we, yeah, that's that's probably as far from anybody as I'd ever been. Um, I can't say that now. That, that third year we went out there, I'm positive well, I was further from anybody than I'd ever been in my life. But But at this point, that first morning out there on that desolate piece of, I don't know it. You know, I, I guess, I guess I down here in South Alabama, we're lucky. We have forests everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's all trees, all that kind of thing. What I hate to see, what I hate to see is clear cut property. And in my opinion, that first place we went to was equivalent to a clear cut. I mean that had just been cut. I mean, everything's level. There's nothing there for the wildlife to eat. There's no reason for wildlife to be there. But, you know, we did see that one mule deer. Um, I don't know why it was there. But anyway, it was uh, it was uh, it was really discouraging. Yeah, right off the bat it was. But real quick, I'll jump, uh, jump tracks and say, it's funny when you talk about forests we have down here and all of that. Just this week, I, I grunted up a small buck. And I, I heard him coming in, but I didn't see him until he was about seven yards from me. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff we're used to hunting where it's so thick a rabbit can't walk through it. Let's see. After that first spot, I know we got back to the truck sometime in the mid-morning. When we drove around, we had about three or four more places we wanted to look at that day. Um, without going into much details, I mean, we can pick them apart. But what I remember specifically about that day was the fact that when we got out of the truck, to go look at some antelope. If you took a step away from the antelope, they didn't care. But if you took a step towards the antelope out of your truck, they would bust out of there right on, I guess immediately, right? They would bust out of there right on the spot. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. It was like they could see you from 500 yards and they could tell distance and your intent at that particular point in time. As long as you didn't take one step toward them, they were fine. They're out there grazing like a bunch of cows. But like you said, you take one step toward them, and you know those those jets took off. Uh, back back to the scouting too. You know that that day we had a pre-planned route. Uh, that that first place we went to was the furthest place we were going. You know we went further north out of Lust than any other place. Um, so we had a we had a designed route to take that day to hit several spots. 
having that route made things easy because we didn't have to look at maps and guess where we wanted to go next. We already knew exactly where we needed to go, which roads to take, and how to go about finding the antelope. So I think that saved us a lot of time and headache right there. Yeah, and that reminds me, too, um, you know, your listeners should know that some of these landowners put posted signs, no trespassing signs up on uh, on public roads leading off the highways. And, uh, you know, there are public roads that cross private property, and you can't stop and shoot on a public road, but you can use that public road to access public property that may be back behind the private lands. Yeah, I'd, honestly, I wouldn't have believed it unless I heard it from more than one particular person up there, including a uh, game and fish uh, representative of sorts. That was an interesting ordeal. But hey, we, we got past all of that mess and we were able to get on some antelope and kill them. I sure hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode. I've listed the source for the BLM map purchases, as well as a link to Onyx, not a sponsor, in the show details. Tune in next week to hear part two. We will take you with us as we relive the experience of tagging out on our first ever pronghorn antelope. This will be one show that you won't want to miss. If you have questions or comments, reach out to me via Spotify podcast or Apple podcast. Please see the show description as I have listed a quick poll to help us narrow down the podcast format that you, the listener, wants to hear. Remember to share us with your friends, and please follow us and rate us as we grow. Love in Christ.